Hi, and welcome to episode two of the No IT Podcast, the place where you get to know IT so you can own IT. Today's episode is the emergence of physical security systems on IT. Oftentimes in meetings, what I find is, is that I'm sitting across the table from an IT person who is understandably defensive because they've brought been brought into the process and into the fold of a security project so late. Decisions have already been made. They're left to kind of scramble to pick up the pieces to make sure that they do their jobs in securing the network and allowing data to flow securely. So I wanted to do this episode to kind of describe some of the best practices of what should be expected from a physical security vendor in 2020. I also want to describe how we got here and what the evolution was from the analog CCTV systems that you're used to, to the IP physical security systems that are being installed today. And there's a lot of advantages, but there's also a lot of things that you need to pay attention to and watch out for when you are evaluating and making a decision on a certain system as well as on a certain vendor. So I hope you guys walk away with a better understanding on how all of this works and what the benefits of it can be. Before all that, I want to give thanks to BTI Communications Group, who's been a tremendous partner and whose level of technical quality and attention to detail allows them to design and execute any project in the IT and security space. Over the last 35 years, BTI has achieved tremendous results for their clients. If you are looking to plan and deploy a bulletproof network, give BTI a call. Or you can go to btigroup.com, click the banner in the top of the homepage, and schedule your free network assessment today. And specifically for podcast listeners, BTI is offering a free dark web scan, providing clarity on whether your business data is floating around on the dark web. Just mention the podcast when you schedule your assessment, and you'll receive a complete report of your data on the dark web. So here is this week's cyber attack news. The U.S. is currently under the largest DDoS attack in world history, right? This is only, I mean, this stuff has only been around for the last 20, 30 years, right? 1996 was when the internet became a thing, and all of this is relatively new technology. But this is by far the most insane attack um, that we've ever seen. And I'll include the link to that. There's a really cool digital map that outlines all of the inbound traffic going around the world um, to be or as far as hacking is concerned. Ultimately, Amazon is a victim or was an attempted victim of such an attack. And this week they, they prevented the largest ever DDoS attack on Amazon Web Services that they'd ever seen. And Amazon Web Services is a host of over a million websites, right? So a lot of companies use it. Like I think Walmart uses it, Target, large corporations, as well as small companies and customers of BTI. And, you know, it's not unheard of, and it's actually a really good service to use. To give you kind of some perspective on AWS, last year in 2019, their data services increased by 96% in, within a single year. So it's just an insane amount of growth that they've had. Oftentimes when you grow that fast and that large, there's issues like this that arise. And, you know, thank God Amazon was on the ball and able to halt those attacks. Ultimately, there wasn't any damage caused. Well done, Amazon. The city of Knoxville, Tennessee was not so lucky. Their internal IT network was taken down by ransomware. What happened was is that IT didn't notice the attack right away. Once they noticed the ransomware had already encrypted uh, multiple systems. So the internal IT network, the city website, the city court network, um, they were all taken down. Employees showed up to work the next day and there was a handwritten note because they couldn't use the printer because it was hacked on everybody's desktop screen that said, do not log into your workstations. They were at a standstill. 
I believe that the systems have been brought up, brought back up. The FBI is currently investigating, but what they've said is that early evidence shows this came from one single email account within the network of the city of Knoxville. So it's just, it's, it's human error, once again, that this one person's error took down the entire city network infrastructure. So this is a huge thing. We talked about it last week. I, again need to stress the fact that you need to pay attention to where the emails are coming from before you open them. And you need to have a conversation with IT on how to better train your staff to um, recognize such an email. More information is coming out. Hackers are finding gold mines within air-gapped networks. What an air-gapped network is, is when a corporate network has all these different divisions, right? So they've got an HR network, they've got a production network, they've got their internal IT network that houses all their office workstations and so on, their security network. You get, you kind of get the point. By separating these networks, the thought is when you separate them and one of the networks gets hacked because they're air-gapped and isolated from each other, they can't get through all the other different network systems. It's been a best practice all the way up until today, but hackers have now developed a new type of ransomware to collect Word files, zip files, PDFs, and all within hidden storage files within a network. The Chinese hacking group Tropic Trooper, aka Keyboy, hacked the Taiwanese and Philippines military networks with USB Ferry. And what USB Ferry does is it's basically a malware strain that allows the self-replication of data from removable USB drives. So you have an operative in the field gathering data and intel, and they're storing it on a USB drive. And once they get back to command, they plug the USB drive in and upload all the paperwork and documents to their command post. What is happening is, is that as soon as they plug those USB drives in, a hacker is sitting there automatically replicating and copying every file and piece of data that's being uploaded. So they have a copy and whether you know it or not, they're able to do what they will with whatever data they're able to get their hands on. That's becoming a bigger issue. So the industry is working on a fix and working on a another evolution of that to to stop it. It is it is a problem. And ultimately when systems are hacked and data is lost, especially customer data. The legislations, especially here in California, are the corporation has to notify all of their clients that have been impacted, right? Which happened this week. And Twitter apologized for exposing business data within their breach. So as a company, you can pay to have your your posts boosted and sent out so that the algorithm pushes it to more people so that they're able to see it and you get a higher level of engagement. All of that is there's credit card info. What Twitter was doing was they were exposing that info within their browser caches. That's another thing that we talked about last week. Twitter is ultimately going to be okay. They've got enough money and they've got enough clout to where they can handle the fines and lawsuits will be filed and settlements will be reached. But make no mistake about it, if you know 90% of the businesses out there experience the same thing, they wouldn't be able to handle the fines, much less the lawsuits that inevitably follow. This is something that you really, really need to pay attention to and really, really need to spend a lot of capital or as much capital as you can afford to secure your data. Because as you're going to find today, we're not just securing the physical address anymore. We're also securing your digital one. So ultimately, with all of the civil unrest that's going on all of the protests here within the United States. And in, in an instance of any civil unrest anywhere in the world, the hackers see that as an opportunity because everybody's paying so much attention to the chaos and their minds are, are elsewhere 
to where they see an opportunity to hack systems and get the information a lot easier than they normally would because everybody's distracted, right? I don't want to say that, you know, hackers are good, but there are hacking groups out there that whether you trust them or not, claim to have positive intentions, right? Anonymous is, is one of them, right? Responsible for WikiLeaks, which Julian Assange is still dealing with that issue. And I, I didn't really follow him. I lost track. But so what they're doing is, is that they are now hacking police departments. So over 200 police departments and fusion centers were hacked by suspected activist group DDO Secrets. The group published 296 gigabytes of police data on June 19th. They were releasing officers' home address, their phone numbers, their email addresses, their their names, their family information, their family's names. They were basically doxing these guys. DDO Secrets consider themselves one of these transparency collectives. They're hackers that are just hacking and releasing information for the public to view so that public knows what's going on behind the scenes, regardless of whether or not the agency that's being hacked feels that that information needs to be made public. They ultimately published 10 years worth of police files. It's all within a searchable portal. The group claims to have been provided the documents by Anonymous, and the NFCA, or the National Fusion Center Association, confirmed in an email to its members that it originated on netcentral.com. And netcentral.com is essentially Amazon Web Services for law enforcement and government agencies. The information is being reviewed by users and released on Twitter. So the Twitter hashtag that you can search for to kind of track all this is hashtag blue leaks. You'll find all of the police data that is being released. Probably hour by need hour. to tell you. It's uh, pretty but interesting. The world follow, is a web of data and information that's yeah. always flowing, always at warp speed. It can get overwhelming to manage your networks while also staying up to date with the best practices in data management and cybersecurity. Fortunately, that's where BTI can help you. As an IS NetWorld partner, we are a leader within our industry of safety and compliance in IT and physical security systems. So if you want to have a bulletproof security network, you call BTI. Go to btigroup.com, click the banner in the top of the homepage, and schedule your free network assessment today. And while you're there, don't forget code NOIT to receive your free dark web scan so let's get with your network our main assessment. discussion for the day. Today, we're, we're talking about the emergence of physical security systems on IT. And the reason why I say on IT is because oftentimes IT people feel imposed upon because these systems have migrated and are now being connected to their network. Understandably, they're defensive when it comes to their network and want to make sure that every best practice is followed and every system that's being installed best to help protect their network and enhance what they're doing, right? You don't want to have any negative impacts on a on an organization when you're installing a security system because ultimately the security system is supposed to provide them better clarity on what's happening within their building and within their company when you know the the people aren't around or well things are in motion and people are moving right there's a lot of advantages that can come from the new IP security systems and I'm going to go through that I'm going to describe some of the best practices that a vendor should be following to Make sure that they give you a bulletproof security system so that, you know, you're not just secured on your physical address, but ultimately the digital address is just as important, if not more important, because that's where all of your critical files and systems are, are housed. And when that gets compromised, your business isn't able to function, definitely isn't going to be able to achieve the same level of efficiency that it was it was at without major headaches and interruptions in production, ultimately money lost for that organization. As a security vendor, you got to do the best that you can do 
to you know make sure that none of these things happen. How did we get here? That we're used to the old you know dragnet shows and old cop shows that have CCTV systems and use the video and then they go and they apprehend the suspect and it all happens within within five minutes and then they move on to the court and prosecution of whatever person that they've that they've arrested. The video was always grainy. Started out as only black and white and eventually migrated to color as uh, technology evolved, but it never got to a very high level of definition until 2015. In 2015, it was the first year that the IP physical security system started to outsell their old analog predecessors. The technology had advanced so far that to have a higher level of imagery within their camera system to achieve the same results, right? The laws were changing. So when let's talk a little bit about that when there is a litigation situation whether it is somebody with a mask and a crowbar breaking down your window going in and entering your building or if it's a workers comp claim and whether or not that is a valid workers comp claim that has a huge impact on whether or not your business is going to have to pay out and claim responsibility for that incident and without any clear video of the incident in question, you don't really have any evidence other than he said, she said. And unfortunately, I live in California where the court system often sides on the side of the of the individual versus the corporation. And it's a mentality where the business themselves have to um, take responsibility for it and make sure that every angle that they have is covered. Within that, let's talk about the levels of resolution that you need. So now, in order to have video admissible as evidence in court, you have to have a certain level of resolution. It's roughly 50 megapixels per foot to identify a vehicle and a in 150 megapixels pixels per foot to positively identify a person on their face, which is if in the overall scheme, if we're looking at a camera that's in a parking lot somewhere and you need 150 pixels of a person to positively identify them, well, the overall size of that frame is the size of the head of a pen compared to the whole overall image that you're getting, right? And the same thing goes with license plates, a situation where when you don't have that, then your evidence is gone and it becomes a battle of he said, she said. So as that technology has evolved, we've gotten into higher and higher levels of resolution, wide dynamic range was invented. What wide dynamic range is, is that when there's a very harsh light shining into a camera lens, the camera will digitally dim out the harsh areas of light, internalize that into the image sensors, and blast it out to the darker areas of the scene. Basically, you can think of a camera pointed at the sun. And wide dynamic range, what it will do is it will continually dim out the sun until it's just a little little circle in the overall image, but you've got blue sky all the way around it, right? And you can think of the same thing as like a similar situation within a business is to your door and has their, it's the middle of the night and their headlights are shining directly into the lens of the camera. With wide dynamic range, it can dim down those headlights to where it will only illuminate the license plate. And you may not be able to tell the color of the vehicle, but you'll get the license plate all day long at the level of resolution where the police can use it to track whatever that vehicle is. So it's a tremendous advantage to have this type of camera technology within your business. And, you know, that's an example of, of 
the exterior camera is performing wide dynamic range, but let's talk about it on the, on an internal environment, right? You've got a warehouse, you have a bunch of employees that are moving around. And as what one, one thing that I saw on the news recently was there was a guy that was walking into his company's um, lunchroom and he went to the ice machine and he took ice and tossed it onto the ground and then walked, walked over to where all the ice was and laid on his back, like just laid down and started yelling and screaming and like holding his back and, and saying, oh, I fell, I'm hurt. Well, the company had cameras that were a high, that had a high enough level of definition to where they, it saw the ice cubes on the ground and saw him throwing the ice cubes on the ground. So they didn't have to pay for a worker's compensation claim because this guy did it, did it on purpose, right? That's the level of evidence that an HR department needs to fight a worker's comp claim that isn't legitimate. So going back to our warehouse example, you've got, you've got a bunch of people walking around a warehouse and there's grease on the ground, right? You need to be able to tell whether or not that person slipped within that circle of grease or if, you know, they were... 30 feet away and they just slipped, right? That you're able to tell whether or not you are following the safety compliance or you are compliant with the safety regulations. In that situation, if without the video, positive or negative, you're not going to be able to, to bridge the gap of he said, she said. Because in the security world and in, in the eyes of the law, there are three realities. There's your reality. There's the other person's reality. The actual reality, the physical reality, so to speak, of what actually happened. And the whole purpose of a camera system is not to watch you day and night. The purpose of a camera system is to bridge the gap between your reality, the other person's reality, and the physical reality to get down to the nitty gritty details of what was actually occurring without the emotions and combativeness involved. It's just very black and white in that way. Um, so when you're having these types of systems installed, what are some of the things that you need to watch out for and pay attention to? The way the camera industry works, I guess I can explain that and break that down for you real quickly. A very large majority of the camera brands that are out there are made by a single company in China and a company that will rebrand another camera model or rebrand their cameras. Say they'll slap a BTI logo on it and they will sell that camera to BTI for $50, right? BTI will then turn around and mark up that camera to, you know, four or $500 ending with the customer with a, to, with a um, subpar camera that is just terrible in quality, right? It still says that it's a 4k camera. It still says that it has wide dynamic range and it says that they have smart search functionality within their DVRs as well. But ultimately, what, what ends up happening is, is that the video and the, and the equipment itself deteriorates very quickly. And instead of fixing it, it's so cheap that they'll just try and sell you another camera. Whereas, you know, most camera brands that are, that are legitimate are going to have that camera sent back to the manufacturer and refurbished. Like an Axis and a Vigilon, their cameras are a little bit more expensive as far as the price tag goes. But the quality of them is going to have that camera still functional and operating up to date 15, 20 years from now. You're going to be able to push all the new software out to it so that that camera is going to continually get better over time. Now, a big part of that lifespan of the camera comes into how it was installed and how it was managed. 
by the vendor that originally installed it. There's a whole lot of things that go into play when you're installing a camera system. They're all, they, we still hardwire the cameras. So all the cables got to be run. You got to follow the proper way to hang and suspend your cable and make sure that it's certified and able to pass inspection. You also have to make sure that the cable's protected coming down the wall. That will, that's going to cause connection issues to the camera. Likewise, if the, the person that is pulling the cable isn't following the right steps and is moving too quickly, it can cause frays within the, within the data cable, the CAT6 cable, and that will drop your image quality and cause intermittent connection issues. So that when the most critical event and situation for that, that camera is supposed to resolve, it's not functioning and you're not getting the image that you need to see. It's a big problem. So there's a lot of details that a vendor needs to take into account when they're being installed. And ultimately, those problems can be prevented by picking a quality vendor that follows the best practices. And I'm going to get into those. The number one best practice and the number one overlooked detail of a camera system by vendors is that they will leave the, the manufacturing default password and username on your, on your NVRs. So the, that in and of itself, that simple step of creating a custom username and password for the NVR and for the end user is going to prevent a lot of data breaches within those, within those systems. You can't have any default IP addresses or passwords on cameras and servers. It just can't happen because I can go to Google and find any manufacturer's default password and username and any company, any building that has that system, I can gain access to if it wasn't changed. And that's a very simple, easy thing to catch when you've, when you've having a system installed, but also an easy thing to fix if you have a system currently that has your default passwords and, and manufactured passwords. So go back and check on that and make sure that it's changed and custom to your company. The other is up-to-date firmware and software. So now with all of the analytics and or software that is being, being made for cameras to take in the visual data and information that the, the image sensor is reading and then transferring that into a readable statistic or function like motion detection, people tracking, vehicle tracking, cross-line detection, any sort of feature analytic has firmware and the camera itself has firmware. So with, within each firmware, part of the things, one of the things that brings these cameras along and continues to have them perform better and better over time is the firmware updates. And if you don't have somebody that's actively managing and pushing out those firmware updates that are released typically on a quarterly basis, then you're not going to, you're not going to be up to date and the most secure, right? It's kind of like when your iPhone migrates to the next iOS, it's a situation where you got to do it. And otherwise your, your phone is going to start bogging down. Your bandwidth is going to suck and it's, it's just going to be cumbersome to work with. The third is isolating the camera network from the corporate network, air gapping. Air gapping is a best practice and the, there's a few things need to be done to secure that, but the main thing to secure an air gap network is with active cybersecurity monitoring that can alert you as soon as somebody breaches your network or a device connects to your network that's unknown. And it just brings it to your attention so that you don't have that delay of, I didn't notice it and 
my files are encrypted. Anyway, by isolating those networks, it gives you two benefits. One, on a cybersecurity side, if they hack your camera system, then they aren't able to get into your your physical data network, right? Your corporate network, so to speak. And the second is that when you isolate the camera network, there's so much bandwidth and information that's flowing across to the NVR that the bandwidth gets intense for your corporate data network if they're residing on the same same plane. And what you'll find is that your workstations will be bogged down. Pulling up your files is going to be a lot slower. Getting into your secured access network is going to take forever. And ultimately, it's just going to bog everything down. So by isolating that creates its own network bandwidth that is able to run free and smooth um, and make sure that there isn't any sort of inherent issues with that. The fourth best practice that should be followed is you need to lock the switch ports. So using managed switches to lock known MAC addresses within the, those, those switch ports. So, there's, so if you have 16 port data switch and you have 14 ports that are used, you need to close port 15 and 16 so that somebody can't just continually ping it and get into your network. Because nine times out of 10, you're, when you hear about data breaches, those are accessed through the security network itself because, again, the vendor themselves didn't have the knowledge in cybersecurity to follow these best practices that I'm laying out for you right now. You know, one of the other benefits of IP-based camera systems is that it allows for remote monitoring. So you can see cameras on the phone, right? You can have somebody, you can arm and disarm the camera system similar to the way that you arm and disarm a alarm system at the end of the workday and have somebody respond like an alarm company would to any recorded motion on your lot. And then they can dispatch police, right? Well, that requires you to open some ports to the internet. And rather than poking holes in the firewall, right? You just change the default open ports. And what that does is it, it establishes a secured network connection, or I'm sorry, a secure remote connection to the cameras, right? So you don't have IT guy going, oh shit, I'm going to have a hundred new network devices that I have to manage that is, that is a potential threat, right? By following these steps, you're, you know, you're mitigating the threat before the fact, right? So the solution to this is all by creating a VLAN by creating the VLAN, if I, if difficult to do, right? But if you got up on a ladder and took a camera down and, and plugged in a laptop, in theory, you'd be into their network without having to follow any authentication. But by creating that VLAN, all that you're, the only information that you're able to see are the security cameras. So it's a big thing. The other thing that we fall into and that I've kind of talked about earlier is that we don't bring IT into the fold early enough, right? IT can help guide decisions on network connected devices because their sole purpose and focus is to secure and maintain the network and allow data to flow smoothly. So by bringing them in early on in the process, you're going to be able to have a more meaningful pre-installation and pre-project meetings, planning meetings, so to speak, and know exactly what you're looking for. And when you know exactly what you're looking for, a lot of vendors tend to bow, bow out because they don't, they don't like being held accountable to the information that you're requesting and, and, and the information that they are agreeing to secure because they just don't know how to do it. So they're taking on a liability that ultimately is going to end up biting them in the butt because they're not able to fulfill the requirements of their contract. But 
the VLAN and isolating these the networks and closing the ports and changing the default passwords and proactively pushing firmware upgrades to the devices all allows the IT team to relax. And they say, oh, these guys got it. And oh, okay, whatever you got, you know, let's, let, let me, if it's cool, let's go. If we can secure it, let's go. And they're, that is how you get IT on board for devices like this that are connected to the internet. Um, within cameras and within the security space, you really want to make sure that the, that the industry standards and best practices are being followed because we don't have the same issue. It's not an issue of vulnerable devices if you're choosing the right systems. And let's, I guess let's talk about the right systems. A system of quality, cameras of quality are companies like Axis Communications, right? Axis is owned by Canon. Canon makes the best image sensors and professional DSLR cameras that are out there that you're that are in all the, used in all the major magazine photo shoots and they're they've now migrated the, those same chips to their security their security cameras it's great best buy target home depot starbucks airports governments all use access or and they use it because one it's secure it's superior image and the fact that it continually gets better over time. A similar company, a similar manufacturer to Axis is a Vigilon. And a Vigilon is different because a Vigilon is actually owned by Motorola, but is entirely an American made brand. So it's rare in the tech space that um, there is a American made security device, but a Vigilon has done it and their analytics are far and away the best analytics on the market, along with their image sensors to create an insane image. Their software is just knocks everything else out of the park. A system like a Swan or an EyeSight system or a digital watchdog, right? They're all, they're all inferior camera systems that are meant for discounted and low-end environments where they aren't worried about any of those things. And they'll claim all day long that they can do it and that you know they have the same level of resolution and functionality. But the issues that you'll run into with those brands is one, they don't release software or firmware upgrades on a, on a regular basis. Two, they don't support their, their camera systems year over year. They come up with new models and eventually they discontinue those models. And it's a very quick cycle um, because they're constantly changing manufacturers on the back end in China. And it's just a big, it's just, a, it's just a whole web that I could do an entire episode on by itself. But the main thing that you need to know when you're evaluating a camera system is one, where the camera comes from, who the original manufacturer is. Two, what are the capabilities of that camera? Three, how is it or how is that camera going to be secured both cyber and physically? When you do and follow all of these things, the results are tremendous. End result is going to be your HR team is going to be able to hum on investigations. It's just going to enhance their efficiency on being able to find what they need to find within any given event that they're presented with 
within a quick manner, isolate that video, copy it, send it off to whoever needs to see it, put it in a file that needs to be, that needs to be tracked and then move on with their day. Likewise, your production, your warehouse managers that are managing all the forklift traffic and all the production of, of the widgets or devices or whatever it is that you guys make or the inflow and outflow of, of shipments, they can have access to those cameras within the warehouse area to better manage and evaluate the efficiency of their shifts. So when issues arise, like let's say third shift has consistent problems and mistakes being made, an operations guy can go into the camera system and watch and track their movement or track where those those problems occurred and get to the root of it and then you know pivot organizationally to address those issues and then get back to or reach the level of efficiency that the company to, needs to reach and it goes all the way down the line you know think when you're when you're making decisions and you're vetting vendors and your vetting systems think beyond just replacing your security guard think beyond just somebody breaking down your door and and wanting to capture them and have them arrested and think more about what the what the organizational benefits can be what the level of compliance can be what, how you can comply with your personal industry regulations on security, both data and physical, as well as what that is, is going to allow you to do organizationally to be as efficient as you possibly can be. In manufacturing and in business, efficiency is key. The more efficient we are, exponentially we're able to grow, the more exponentially we're able to produce. And without doing that efficiently, it limits the ability for a company to grow. And I'm not saying that a camera system is going to solve those business problems for you. But what it's going to do is it's going to allow you to evaluate a situation with all of the real data of what you're being confronted with and allow you to respond in an informed manner. And when we make decisions based on information versus off of emotion, then that's when actual results are achieved. So if there's a tool out there that's going to help me better manage my business and better get my team to produce what, you know, their job is asking them to produce, I'm going to entertain and I'm going to make sure that I have the best tool available to make an informed decision to guide us to where we need to be. I would do that organizationally with the statistics and data as well as the data provided by, you know, the operations of the actual incident itself and in the investigation of the cause of the efficiency issues. And it could be a tremendous tool. So don't overlook it. Really kind of put a lot of thought into it and really get IT involved early on in the process to make sure that as you, you are soliciting bids and as you're having vendors come in and give their presentations on who they are, you guys are able to spot who's real and who's fake. And you guys are able to ask the right questions of those vendors to make sure that your time isn't wasted, not only once the system is installed, but throughout the evaluation process itself. Imagine how many meetings, if you're vetting five vendors for, one, for a big project on your building, imagine in the amount of time that has to be spent talking to each of those vendors just before you make a decision and narrow it down to 
the main two that you want to talk to, right? By getting IT involved early, it can alleviate three out of those five vendors and time wasters and trunk slammers and get you to the core of what is actually going to be functional for your business and just completely speed up the process of going from the initial idea of we need a, we need a new camera system to actual implementation of that project. And when you can line up all of those things every step of the way, and you've got a vendor that follows every best practice that is at their disposal, has every I dotted and T crossed, then you're going to achieve the results that you're looking for. And oftentimes you're going to achieve results further than what you expected. So really just to sum everything up, the three things that you're going to want to pay attention to, get IT involved at the very first step of the process. Two, get and vet every vendor and make sure that they're following the best practice. And three, within the, within the design and implementation of the system that you're purchasing, make sure that the equipment fulfills the highest level of standard that you can afford. Oftentimes, budget comes into play when we're making these decisions. It's an inevitable occurrence. And as much as we would love to spend 200K on a security system and network, oftentimes that's just not within the, the budget. So make sure that the vendor is willing to break it down and work with you in phases or make sure that you have a system that as your budget opens up, and more capital expenditure can be directed towards that area that you're able to grow with that budget so that you don't have to completely go back and redesign the system from the get. So keep these things in mind as you're planning your security plan, as as you're putting together your security plan. Make sure that you have compliance in mind within your own industry and within your own customer base to fulfill your duties to them while also making sure that your own internal organization is benefiting and maximizing all available uses of this technology. And when you have all those things lined up, you're going to have a great experience, have a tremendous advantage over your competitors as a result. I've given you enough for the day. We are going to close this one out and I appreciate you being here. Stay tuned because there's some new new things that we're going to be coming out with um, throughout the week. I'm going to be content in between episodes, kind of keep your palates satiated with cyber security news and information as it's, as it's coming out, which is going to be really cool. And I hope you guys enjoy that, but ultimately make sure that you um, go to our social media pages. That's no it podcast on Facebook and Instagram and no it pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the show and with all of the content that we're going to be continually producing. We want this to continue to grow and we want to influence our listeners in a way that they are going to benefit both personally and organizationally. So feel free to pass this around to your colleagues. Feel free to pass it to your friends in other companies within your industry so that everybody is on the same level of security and everybody is able to do what they need to do when they need to do it. And that's the episode. I Thank am you tremendously for grateful like to BTI Communications Group. Their first and primary goal is to deliver the foremost level of technical quality that can be delivered 
within your operational budget for all security and IT-based systems. So if you have had a situation that required further investigation, only to get to the point where you realize that the video is no longer accessible or the camera was down at the time of the incident, then you need to call BTI. BTI will get you a free network assessment to make sure that that situation never happens again. So go to btigroup.com, click the banner in the top of the homepage, and schedule your free network assessment today. And don't forget code NOIT to get a free dark web scan and complete clarity on what business data of yours is floating around on the dark web. Have a great day. Thanks for being here and take care.